Canadian Export Challenge and the Startup Canada Awards are coming to a city near you. Entrepreneurs in Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Mississauga, Montreal, and Fredericton have the opportunity for a full-day entrepreneurial experience. In the morning and afternoon, attend your one-day global accelerator where you will connect to Canada's entire trade, export, and growth ecosystem. Accepted entrepreneurs have the chance to pitch to win $25,000 in cash and up to an additional $100,000 in in-kind scaling support. In the evening, celebrate the winners of the 2019 Startup Canada Awards who are driving innovation and growing the economy in your region. Register for the Canadian Export Challenge at startupcan.ca forward slash CXC and get your tickets to your local award ceremony at startupaward.ca. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. Here to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business, it's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Really excited to bring to you something special that I've been working with, and that's a community, a new community where we're engaging online with entrepreneurs from around the planet. And I invite you to join me. All you have to do is go to the link www.headspacefe.com, where amazing conversations are happening with entrepreneurs. This is Sonia DeMalo, Brian Hogan, and Kelly Boutier. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I want to welcome you back to the Startup Canada podcast show, and uh, I, I always look forward to the opportunity to speak with rock stars from uh, from this organization, from this province, and learn about some of the cool uh, cool uh, technical uh, requirements for being building successful businesses, but also learn about the great entrepreneurial ecosystem that's happening happening in the Belle Province. So, on today's episode, we just don't have one; we get three guests here to discuss the importance of soft skills. We have Kelly Boutier, Sonia DeMalo, and Brian Hogan. Let's kind of deep into each one of them. Kelly is an adult learning specialist at CDAC, which is Quebec and Canada's leading and driving force for community economic development and employability. Kelly has a proven track record of building strong working relationships and is currently aiming to improve workforce 
readiness for First Nations and minority English-speaking communities. Sonia is the founder of Harvest Performance, an organization that fosters connection to help others thrive. By using positive communication and education strategies, Sonia's mission is to impact people, places, and communities. And our friend Brian, well, he's got over 20 years of experience in education as a Red Seal heavy-duty equipment technician in the public and private sectors and has worked as an instructor in the School of Transportation Trades at Vancouver Community College. We're going to do a deep and diverse background, experience, and expertise with all three of them in recognizing that technology and online platforms are continuously changing the way we interact with clients and employees. Our ability to listen, collaborate, and even problem solve, which is so important to ultimately building successful businesses. But together, this trio shares the one common goal of embracing change and they do that with one simple solution, which we were laughing about a little earlier as we were trying to uh, coordinate implementing soft skills. And we don't do a lot of talk around that on the podcast, so I'm ready to dive in. So we're going to speak to Kelly, Sonia, and Brian to refine the definition of soft skills, what they look like in a business context, and together we will discover how soft skills can be used to connect and promote your business values. My good friends, my new friends, how are you all doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's uh, Thank great you. to be here. Thanks, Rivers. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. So let's dive right in. Knowing that technology plays a big role in how we communicate with each other, how do you use soft skills to promote your company or personal values to your customers, your staff, and potential business partners? And I know we're going to have a diverse uh, answer to that. And I said at the beginning, you know, you guys are going to have a fireside chat and so on. So whoever wants to take that first and, you know, feel free to share stories while you're, while you're explaining how uh, the soft skills skills can be used. Hi, this is Kelly. Um, and uh, it's interesting because most, much of the work that I'm doing involves partners from all across Quebec. And Quebec, as we know, is a very large province. And this means that it's a lot of conference calls. Um, so, you know, we've got technology in that aspect that's bringing us together. And conference calls on their own can actually require quite a lot of creative problem solving. Um, I'm working with two Indigenous communities in particular, and I get to active, um, actively exercise my soft skills, in particular active listening, uh, a lot. Um, and this is because we're trying to navigate and and communicate across, you know, different geographies, across different cultures. Um, it's been my experience as well that, you know, when we try to rush communications, it, it doesn't work. So we need to intentionally slow things down, slow the process down, and make sure that everyone is understood. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. So do, are you a believer? Believer in, uh, and I know we're going to get uh, Brian and Sonia also answer that question. Do you believe in the, in the philosophy? You got to sometimes you got to slow down to speed up. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's very important with the First Nations cultures as well. Uh, we'll get into that more, I think, a little bit sure. later. But um, yeah, it's really important <clears throat> cool. just to, to make sure everybody has a chance to speak. Right on, right on. Brian, Sonia. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, hi, this is Brian. And uh, I'd like to add to what Kelly was saying that, uh, you know, no matter the method of communication, it could be face to face or any number of uh, tech options that we're looking at today, that I believe the key is to make sure that your customer, your employee or colleague uh, knows that you're listening and you're hearing them and that you value them. 
you know, and tech is great for this. A two to three word text message or even a like can show that you're paying attention to them. And I'd like to just bring up, um, I went to a trade uh, mission in Australia a couple of years ago when I was the dean of technology at Kwantlen University. And uh, that, that was a really interesting experience. And um, that was two or three years ago. And we went to Deakin University to right. learn about how, how they use artificial intelligence to enhance the student experience. Uh, what they used was IBM Watson. And um, it's interesting, the president of the Student Association said Watson's greatest strength was its ability to relate to the students and appreciate their needs. Mm. So, you know, isn't that amazing? Yes. And this is through the, uh, through an artificial intelligence that's actively listening to them, it's collaborating with them, it's adaptable, and it's problem solving with them. And it's talking to 50,000 students 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and the students don't mind that they're chatting, having <laughs> a meaningful conversation with a robot. That's so cool. there yeah. you go. Very cool. So who's got the soft <laughs> skills, right? Yeah. Well, what's interesting about that, and Sonia, we're going to get into your answer here in a second, is, is that, you know, when we take a look at relationships between, you know, people in general, the human race, we always say that's when it starts to break down is when the lack of communication yeah. happens. Mm-hmm. And, 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 so, and But it's so intuitive. Oh, we need to put that into a machine to make it happen, right? Yeah. So very cool. I know. Sonia? It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. So for, for me, what, uh, what what I love about this question is the whole focus on personal values. Mm-hmm. And um, it's an exercise that I do with most of my groups, either uh, classrooms or teams that I work with. Uh, most people don't sit down and try to figure out what are their personal values. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and some of them do, and the majority don't have them written, them, written down. Um, so I think that is the, the key to this question is really how do we communicate our personal values? And if we don't know what they are, then it's really hard for us to connect with another human being. And mm. so the important thing here is to have them written and to Kelly's point, um, explored with the team. And sometimes given time, we skip that step. And I, I don't do that anymore. But in the past, I have done that. And, and the team just broke down. Mm. We just couldn't, we couldn't work together. Um, so that is such a critical aspect, you know, slow down to speed up. I totally agree with that. And that if we know what our values are, we're better able to listen without trying to, you know, either go above someone or we're really more present if other people know what our values are. And the other aspect that is really important um, is to become um, vulnerable in those conversations, especially when we're talking about our values. Uh, so storytelling is also something that really works, uh, to promote, um, yourself as a person or your, your project or, um, or your company. How do you, um, you know, when I, when you hear about companies, you know, doing their missions, doing their objectives, doing their values, it just seems so, so, so cloudish. Uh, how would you, you know, in, in a simple form, how does someone identify what values they have that are important to them? Um, so I have an exercise that I take people through. This is Sonia. And, um, and, and it's, 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 it's not a once and done type of activity. However, um, I give them five minutes just to write down the, you know, how they live their lives. What are the decisions that they make every day? Um, and how do they make those decisions? And usually it's value-based. 
Uh, and it's interesting that even though what people write are different, in the end, they're all fundamentally very similar. Uh -huh. And that's where the conversation becomes so powerful because we're giving each other permission to explore our values. And um, and it does bring people together. It And I've seen it firsthand with First Nations, actually, um, as you know, and all types of different cultures and groups. It's it's really just um, an amazing way for us to, you know, practice our communication behaviors in developing those values and exploring them with each with each other. So uh, again, I'm going to I'm just going to throw the question out to the group because each one of you has uh, some pretty cool insight into it. But what do you do in a situation? And have you ever been in this situation? I'm sure you have. Uh, that your values differed than the individual who you were interviewing or customer that you were connecting with. How uh, how did you deal with that that with that conflict uh, in differing values? Well, uh, it's Brian here, and I'll I'll by the jump way, in with by, it. By the way, yep. Brian, Brian, you don't have to worry about saying you're Brian. <laughs> <laughs> it's so it's you. so cool. I mean, I, I love it. I set the rules up, and you're following. You're finally following the rules, dude. I love it. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now I've got to adapt and to modify my yeah. uh, stick. Yeah. <laughs> it's Brian here. <laughs> right, I love yeah. it. <laughs> I just think, anyway. Yeah, you're playing the rules well, my friend. <laughs> Sorry, go Thank ahead. Thank you. It took a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's your situation that you ran into that uh, you yeah. had that conflict. Yeah, so this was one. It was a few years ago when I was uh, working as a training coordinator, and uh, I was working with this young fellow to try to get him into an apprenticeship in a construction company. And uh, I knew the uh, the res uh the manager. So we, we had a conversation and I said to this young guy, I'll walk, I'll go there with you. And, you know, we'll go through this together. So, um, we go there, we get into the meeting and, uh, the kid sits down and he slouches in his chair. He doesn't make any eye contact. He only answers, uh, two to three word sentences. Right. Um, you know, just absolutely not, uh, not uh, showing the, his soft skills and the values that he actually really wants this job, just doing the opposite. Mm. Uh, and it was uh, horrifying for me because I really promoted this young guy. Oh, yes. And then, uh, and so I'm like, oh no, he just totally blew it. So we put the uh, young fellow out in the hallway for a minute and I thought, okay, I'm gonna do whatever I can to salvage this. And uh, the, the manager was smiling when I came back in and I said, well, well, how did the interview, how did the meeting go? He goes, oh, that kid is just like my son. Yeah. He can start up. He can start Monday. Nice. <laughs> Whoa, really? Nice. <laughs> so it was absolutely, he did not do anything right as far as soft skills worlds go, but still got the job. Yeah. So, well, and, there and that's, you go. <laughs> excuse me. And that's a, that's a perception that you had that he should act in a different way. And that was the conflict you had to deal with when reality, the other person was, uh, was totally accepting to that. And so I think yeah. we, we just yeah. need to be open to how did it go first of all? And then if it went great, yeah. then, then high five. Oh, good. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, about somebody I else? I also have a story. Yeah. It's Kelly here. I also have have a story. Um, just bringing this concept back to values. Um, years ago, I used to live in Ireland and I had a small business where I was a drum circle facilitator. And uh, I was at one point working in a rehabilitation hospital. Yes. And I will never forget this so long as I live. I walked into the group and it was a group of diverse needs. So some folks were intellectually challenged, other had sensory impairments, some people had limited physical capabilities. Right. And um, I was, uh, you know, handing out the instruments and getting everyone 
everyone set up and this woman uh, approached me in her motorized wheelchair and she looked at me and she says what can I play? And this woman was, her name was Connie and Connie was a survivor of thalidomide. So she'd been exposed Mm. to this in the womb. Uh And as a result, she didn't have arms. She had sort of hands, but they were sort of directly attached to her body. And it was interesting because I could tell by the way she asked the question, she was expecting me to sort of just be like, oh God, I don't know. Like you don't have hands, you don't have arms. And instead I, I looked at her and I said, well, do your hands work? And she, she nice. wiggled her finger and said, yeah. <laughs> and so I said, all right, here. So I handed her an instrument and I was like, try this, see what you think. And she was one of my diehards. She uh. loved the circle. She kept coming back. We would explore with different instruments because she was willing to, you know, work with me. And I was willing to, to look stupid, you know, to be vulnerable. Yeah. And to say, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what your body works like, but I'm willing to work with you. If you want to come and play with us, come on. There's no reason you can't. I got a lot of instruments here. Wow. Wow, Cool. That's wonderful. Sonia? Yeah, and I just want to echo uh, that because really it's about being curious. Um, And so that's what I have for this question is, in my experiences, it's happened quite a few times where somebody says or does something that to me is against my values, let's say. And um, what I do is I become very quiet. So instead of having this noise in my head about how we're so different or unalike, um, I try to become super curious and super quiet to ask the right questions. So Kelly, you had a right question uh, in your example, you know, do your hands work or how do they work? And so if we can become very curious in these difficult situations, because they are very difficult, especially when they're with a business partner or a client, um, you know, we, we want to exhibit emotional intelligence. And by asking questions, that's one of the key communication behaviors is um, it expands our understanding and our awareness. And it doesn't mean we have to agree, uh, but we can just be curious about another person, about another person's perspective. And if nothing else, we learn to grow and and look at the world um, from, a, from a wider lens. So really... <laughs> I really appreciate what you're saying there, Sonia, just um, that idea of being curious, because it, it's 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 sort of um, it's challenging, you know, challenging ourselves mm. to, to, to be curious and to be OK with being curious and not having mm-hmm. the answers. And, mm-hmm. you know, by potentially looking, you know, stupid, that, that's the fear, right, that if we ask yeah. questions and we're looking ignorant in some way. And I that's think right. that anytime we're dealing with anybody, you know, I mean, there's, there's some obvious examples, you know, somebody who, who, who has a completely different body than mine, but you know, there's other examples that, you know, on the outside, maybe we look the same, but the inside mm-hmm. the process is very different. It's- mm-hmm. And it, it reduces the urge to sort of prove our values or prove our point. Uh, so if we become very quiet and curious, we don't have to, um, we don't have to convince anybody of anything. And if they have questions for us, then we can have an open dialogue. It seems like we're, we're trying to go back to the days of when we were kids. I mean, where the natural curiosity was there. And, and I like to thread back this in this, uh, you know, the sense of the entrepreneur, which, how can you have a competitive advantage and you can have a competitive advantage by having the best team in your industry or whatever. And by encouraging this, this, 
this curiosity. How do you get back to that sense of embracing curiosity, not as it relates to an engineering curiosity, but as it relates to a soft skills engineering for, 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 for not big companies. I'm talking about the ones that are up and coming who said, I need to be competitive. I, I, when I was thinking, listening to um, this, the, these, these ideas of uh, exhibiting emotional intelligence and being curious, I was thinking of uh, politics. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm trying to start my business. Uh, I, I want everybody to be a client. And suddenly I'm dealing with somebody who has uh, political opinions that are diverse than to mine. And uh, now do I jump in with my opinions and or do I listen thoughtfully, ask questions? Questions and find where the common ground is. Right. And uh, it could be that we vote differently, but there might be other values that are there that allow us to have a relationship. Right. So that's important. It is. It is. Somebody else want to touch on that point for the, you know, the entrepreneur piece? Mm-hmm. Well, to cultivate um, curiosity, this is Sonia, um, cultivating curiosity is very, very uh, an important skill set, but it also needs daily practice. So it, it can't mm. be just, oh, you know, yeah, I'm going to be curious. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what, what I, you know, I teach um, seven communication behaviors. One of them is, is curiosity or is asking how to ask the questions. And um, I have people go through and actually uh, create an action plan and and they if they choose ask or the curiosity piece we work more in depth and so it really is about um, having daily or weekly reflections or action plan toward that sometimes people think oh well soft skills were born with that we're human mm. we have all these skill sets mm-hmm. but it's just like any other skill if I'm gonna if I've never played golf and I'm gonna start playing golf well and I want to be serious about it I'm gonna have goals and I'm gonna have to practice and I'm gonna have to follow up on my progress progress and see how I'm doing it's the same with soft skills and curiosity is one of them so if that's a focus then, um, you know, I would, the way I help people do it is write down questions. I call them the magic questions because they're questions that be asked in any situation. Right. Uh, you know, the, the simple ones is how's your day or how are you? Uh, but those sometimes don't elicit authentic responses. So we mm. want to try to find questions that we can ask, like, um, you know, what, what happened to you today that surprised you or interested you? Um, some questions that you can ask anybody, anytime, that um, that you can write down, practice, and then throw out um, as, as it, you could be with strangers, it could be with your team, it could be with clients. And so you have to practice them in your own words, words that are easy for you to say that you can remember and not somebody else's questions. Here's a question then for each one of you. And because uh, this is very interesting, I want to tie into this. What's your favorite go-to curiosity question when you're meeting somebody for the first time and like each one of you to to tell me what it is and you know it's, it's not a skill testing question here so if you have a couple that's fine but but, but pick one you like i for for me it's uh you know if i know what they do for a job or you know how they came to be somewhere just being curious about what got them into where they are now as far as uh maybe their profession their job or what led to it or you know was it you know did you plan always to be a x x x or you know did you fall into it you know what happened there and then you know the story often comes out and uh, then you can be curious and hear you know often very interesting stuff about their journey cool. so mm-hmm. Ladies? 
Yeah, this is Sonia. I I like to ask people what their passion is. Uh So I I would say, you know, what's what's your passion? And sometimes I get work. Sometimes I get family. uh, Sometimes I get a hobby. So it's it, you know, oftentimes we go to the work question, you know, what do you do or, you know, what do you do at work or what's your title? This one here just expands it a little bit. And sometimes people don't have answers because they haven't thought about it. And that tells you a lot about that person. And if nothing else. You've you've cultivated a connection and a curiosity in the other person. Yes. And so I and I say, oh, you know, it's okay that you don't have one or you haven't thought about it. Sure, you do. (laughs) And we'll come back to this. Yeah, that's interesting. Kelly. Hi. Um. I guess I, I, it depends on who I'm talking to, but there are a couple of go-to questions that uh, I like. I, I love to travel and I love to hear people's stories about traveling. Mm. And so I'll tend to ask folks, you know, have you traveled somewhere interesting? And if so, what was interesting about it? Can you share it with me? Um, you know, and, and usually a great story will come out of it. Likewise, uh, podcasts or books. Are there any books or podcasts that you've discovered lately that, you know, you're excited about that you want to share um, that you think would be interesting for someone to, to read. And I, I think that's a, a really neat way of harvesting information. And, and a lot of times it's, it's, you know, books or podcasts, for example, that I've never even heard of, but you'll pick up on it. And it's, it's great. It's this great way of expanding your horizons. So Kelly, uh, what would be a podcast that you would recommend to your friends? Besides this one. Besides Startup Canada. <laughs> Rivers, of course. Kelly, you didn't see that coming. You didn't see that coming. <laughs> but in all seriousness, what would you recommend? Then I'm going to tell everybody my my favorite go-to uh, question. It just came to me uh, about a year ago, and I, I've used it since, and it, it really creates that Beautiful. sense of, aha, uh-huh, that's really cool. Okay. Um, so there, there are a couple. So, so my interests are pretty broad right now. I found one that's called the e-learning coach. Um, oh, yes. it's by, uh, Connie Melanson and it's quite interesting. She has a number of different guest speakers that come and they talk about everything to do with instructional design and e-design. Um, but I also really enjoy, um, like planet money, for example. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, Okay, so my my go to question is, and you know how people technically usually go. So what do you do? That's how they kind of what do you do yeah. or mm-hmm. keep living. And, mm-hmm. and then somebody kind of twisted it and they say and they say now ask people. So what's your story? And, mm. and I know somebody. I think it was Sonia. You mentioned to me already. You've talked about it already about you know wrapping that story piece around. Or Brian, when you get to that story, and I think that that whole element of having them dive a little deeper into the question be, brings out a lot more about them. And all of you have referenced that mm. point, so I, I think that that's uh, that's very very cool. So. We're going to, I'm interested in, and Brian, I'm going to ask you to lead with this one because of your Red Seal uh, heavy duty equipment uh, background. Do you find, and, and again, anybody can kick in here, but Brian, I want to lead with you. Is there, is there, are there soft skills that are they, they're broad across <clears throat> industry sectors or does the construction industry, for example, have different skills, the tech industry, the health industry that, uh, or are they pretty well standard and that's the rules you play by? Well, uh, I would say that, uh, you know, I've worked from, like you said, in the construction industry, and I also uh, was a dean of a university and a department head and instructor in post-secondary. So uh, a broad variety of experiences in in these areas. And ironically enough, uh, some of the least... uh, 
um, I guess, emotionally intelligent people I worked with yes. were uh, in, in the uh, university sector, ah. where um, I'd never been treated as bad by a particular it is what individual. It is, right? is what it is. Yeah, it's it, very ironic. Yeah. And uh, but then when you look at some of the industries, um, uh, you know, you have to still listen to hear what people are trying to say. Now, it may be that you're listening around uh, a whole bunch of swearing and, and maybe anger uh, uh, in some say in construction or <laughs> with my university experience uh, or <laughs> in the use of uh, using complex words or indirect hints. And, you know, I find that trying to coach out what's uh, or coax out, sorry, what the what they're actually trying to get at. Right. They could be just so angry or so, you know, they finally worked up the courage to spill it out. Yes. And it's it's in there somewhere. So I'd say mm. stay removed a little bit. Don't get personal. Uh, with somebody with, say, an introverted personality, trying to coax that information out could be uh, a challenge uh, where somebody else could be right in your face. <laughs> so yeah. it's, uh, no, I think it's a, it's a really valued point you're making. I, I actually experienced this myself uh, on Friday and I was the one that was expressing something that was very emotional, very, uh, uh, not bordered on aggressive, but vocal. And, uh, and the person that I was giving it to, she stayed really calm during that whole process. Yeah. And finally today it came out. And so, you know, and then it's okay. I'm, you know, I'm now I see, now I see what I was doing myself. So I learned something along the way, but it really takes Excellent. one to be able to stand back and to say, okay, what is really happening here because this isn't normal behavior for rivers there's something else going on so i love the listen exactly. piece yes. seriously i love the listen piece it's so important when most of us just don't we want to get back at it so uh ladies any any, any thoughts on uh, on the conversation yeah this is sonia i i'm going to go back to my whole values thing um because if if you know if your values are clear um, and, and others, and you've communicated those to others. And I think those difficult conversations become easier, especially if they're in different situations. So, uh, you know, I think the, the thing that's important is for you to become as appealing to the people around you as possible mm -hmm. and to be super aware of how they're receiving your message. So if you're, if, I mean, in some of the examples, you know, in a construction, uh, company or even at the university, uh, <laughs> if you, if you, um, are clear on your values and you express those and you can try to be, um, as close to the other person as possible uh, I think that's the key for me anyway. No, I think that that's, that's very fair. There are foundational practices that you can use. And then there you go. as you get into point, yeah. other, other, you know, cultural issues uh, or, or diversities, I think that's when you, you have to dig a little deeper, but um, mm -hmm. Sonia, or was that Sonia? That was, <laughs> that was, that was Sonia. Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> um, thanks, Rivers. So uh, for me, it, it's sort yeah. of interesting. I, I can really relate to what Brian was saying in that. Um, so I can think of, of times when I worked, for example, as a prep cook. This was years ago now. Yes. And uh, yep. the culture in, in, in that kitchen was very, very different than anything I'd ever experienced before. Um, you know, high pressure. It was totally normal for people to curse at other people. There's mm. a lot of... Of, uh, pranks, but they weren't necessarily always well received. Right. And I think that, you know, I don't, 
it, soft skills, again, it, it's a manifestation, I think, of an underlying culture. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we often will speak in terms of cultures and ethnicities, but I think business places, and, and it's, it's important for entrepreneurs to realize this, there is going to be a culture. And it's a question of whether or not you're going to be intentional in creating the culture for your business. Mm. Because if not, some of these less mm, positive behaviors are likely to crop up. So let's, let's, let's now we've had a conversation uh, a little earlier about taking, identifying values as an individual. How would each one of you suggest that a, that a a company that has say five or six people in it now that is growing uh, really identify how, what they want their culture to, to be like. And, you know, then ultimately once they decide it, then it's a matter of implementing. We don't talk about that, but how do you get to the point you say, yep, I am, I'm very comfortable with that culture stress. It's Kelly Um, here. Um, I think that uh, Sonia might be able to help with this piece. (laughs) 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 Yes, of course. Um, So Kelly has experienced um, the practice that I do with teams is called um, guiding principles. So as a team, you develop and build your own guiding principles uh, based on your own, but then also based on the culture that you would like to see in the workplace. And so one, it's an opportunity to express your own, your own values and express what you want to see in your workplace and what you want from your coworkers. Um, and then it's about, uh, deciding what are your top 10 or top 15 or, you know, I usually try to keep it between five and 10. Uh, but what I've been told is that it creates a safe space to work. Um, so we, we give each other permission and we come to understand each other as people. Um, but also, um, I think in doing this, it really comes to light. Let, let's say, for example, you didn't do these guiding principles when you started your team. And so there's a culture already that's formed. And right. in particular, I was working with an organization this summer and my first meeting with them as a group, I was a little bit in shock because they're, they were very rowdy with each other. And like Kelly, you were saying in the kitchen, you know, some of the jokes weren't funny to me. And I, I was looking at their facial expressions and, you know, some of them, I'm sure I felt like they weren't receiving those very well. And then at the end of our work together, I said to the leader, I said, well, to be honest, you know, I was a little shocked when I came in at this culture and his perspective was that this was fun loving, you know, that we were all (laughs) kind of, you know, uh, and I, and I just planted the seed in there in that, you know, sometimes jokes aren't that well received and some of these weren't funny. Um, and so, you know, that was the culture that he had embedded with the group, uh, but it wasn't one that they chose. So I think it's really important to be, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to talk to the boss and say, Hey boss, you know, I don't like it when, uh, but if as the boss, as the leader, as an entrepreneur, if you're building a team, uh, you want to be open to receiving that feedback. And that's a very important soft skill to, uh, to master yeah. is to receive it, um, and to be open to receiving it and then to make changes as required. I love it. I love it. Yep. Kelly and uh, Brian, I think this is an important topic. We don't well, talk about it enough. 
You know, this uh, Kelly brought up the kitchen culture, and uh, I'm uh, standing here in beautiful British Columbia right now, watching uh, the heavens erupt in rain. And um, <laughs> the, our whole industry, as far as the um, food services and you know the the whole culinary world, over the last few years, uh, they they have a really high turnover. And what this industry had decided, or is deciding, uh, that it can't attract people into a poisonous kitchens and bad work environments. Mm-hmm. Poisonous kitchen might not be the right term. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> we get it. We're, we're talking culture. We're talking culture. Yes, that's right. Yes, thank you. And uh, so they're, they're putting active campaigns together to to get the chefs to move back a bit from those the high drama the and all that stuff so that they can actually retain people and uh, keep their doors open. So mm-hmm. what this industry had to do is go right to the edge of the cliff and then when there was no other options, they they then moved back to these strategies that, uh, that was just so well uh, pointed out by Sonia. I love it. I love it. Kelly? I think... For me, it's a question of paying attention. So, you know, if, if, if you're looking at either setting up, um, you know, your culture for the first time or if you're looking at reorienting, I think it's really a matter of paying attention to what's going on because communications between people and in companies can be so nuanced that it, it, it's like the example that Sonia, Sonia had given earlier that, you know, people might think, oh, on the surface, well, these are jokes. Everyone thinks they're funny. But if if that person paid attention a little bit more, they'd probably see that a good mm-hmm. percentage of those people weren't laughing. You right. just look at the body language, you know. Yes. Um, but again, it's, it's that notion of slowing down, taking the time to actually look at what's happening, investigate, again, being curious and really being vulnerable and, and opening to the possibility like, hmm, maybe we need to do better here. Right. Mm-hmm. I love it. I, um, I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years and two years ago, I joined the Economic Development Agency of New Brunswick as their entrepreneur in residence. And and uh, one of the reasons that I joined them, and I'm still with them two years later, my buddy said, you're not going to last five months in there. <laughs> you go in the <laughs> so I want a lot of I wouldn't say a lot of money. I want a few beers with uh, staying a little longer. But the, the the CEO, when we started the organization three years ago, he, he the first hire was a chief culture officer. And uh, the organization wow. just won a national award and all that kind of stuff. But it is the, the results are, are showing. And I, so I, I love this whole conversation around get a focus in on it before someone else takes control of it. And then it's mm. really yeah. hard to change it. Um. We've, uh, I've just had an amazing conversation. I'm just looking at the time now and say, holy crumb, we've really uh, dived into it. And for all of you, it's been an, uh, just wonderful. But I, I want each one of you to leave our audience with a hack, one, one tool, one strategy, one practice that you would lead, leave uh, our entrepreneurs. And they can be in, you know, in, in various sectors, doesn't matter. But uh, let's have a little bit of a, uh, a soft skills hackathon and, and tell us as to what, what you suggest go and watch this one or look at this one. Brian? Okay, sure, I'll jump in there. So what I would strongly recommend is a book that was first published in 1936 by a fellow named Dale Carnegie. (laughs) Now, it's it's a book that's over 80 years old, and really, um, I'm reading through it again right now, and it's all the practices are so current and it's called how to win friends and influence people, which is again, a, it's a funny title to be sitting on my desk. Here. It always seems wrong, but, <laughs> but it's great. It's, ama- it's an amazing book. 
know, I keep a piece of paper on it because people go, oh, geez, what are you trying to do here? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's funny. But it's, yeah, it's still true. Yeah. It is, isn't it, right? And, <laughs> but it's, uh, I was looking at, into this <laughs> book before the podcast here, and uh, Warren Buffett, uh, apparently this is the only certificate is on, on his wall. It's from a course he took uh, with Dale Carnegie, and it's from 1952. Wow. And Buffett said that uh, it's the book, it's that, the content of that book is what made him what he is today. Wow. So it's absolutely people-focused. Uh, look at, you know, everything we've said here yes. is in that book. Yeah. You know, make the customer feel important and listen to. It's a, it's so true. I, I, it's funny you talk about the, you know the people looking at the book and why is that there. I, I remember yeah. a, a friend, a friend of mine. She, she's the, she was the chief HR person, at, and she put her fist down on her desk one day and she says, "What is wrong with people anyway?" And so yeah. here she is leading the people part of the organization, and she's yeah, frustrated. So, yeah, it is ironic. All right, uh, Sonia Kelly, what's your hack? This is Sonia. I've got um, seven leadership um, communication behaviors, and it's a model from Miravelle. If anybody's interested, it's a book called The Art of Positive Communication. And it is how I lead um, my workshops and how I support teams to communicate better. And there's actually seven behaviors. And at at the center, so it's a circle, at the center, it's about influence and inspiration. So if you do all of these six behaviors, it will lead to the seventh, which is inspiration, which leads to influence. So it's greet. So there's there's um, an art to the greeting. There's an art to the asking. There's complimenting, disclosing, encouraging, and listening. And um, I be- I don't believe in a once and done approach. So, oh, let me take a class on communication. Mm-hmm. And if you are leading a bunch of people, that doesn't work either because, you know, Monday morning they go back to work and they'll yeah. go back to their old behaviors. So I would really um, suggest a long-term approach, like I mentioned earlier, where we hone our skill sets and we work on communicating well and connecting with each other through each of these different behaviors. And you can choose a behavior a week or behavior a month. And you can work on it as a group or individually and then ask people for feedback. You know, how am I doing on this one? How am I doing on that one? So if you work on it as a group, um, the clients will notice. And like you said, you know, there's there's a long term effect that happens to the organization. If you love working together and you produce great products or services, uh, there will be an impact to the world. And how does somebody get a hold of that? uh, Those seven practices. So it's in a book called The Art of Positive Communication. Right. But it's available online. You can you can Google um, uh, The Art of Positive Communication or Miravel. Miravel is the author. Right on. Love it. Thank you. All right, Kelly, to you. Um, I'm actually going to share a person um, who I came across a while ago. Her name is Marie Forleo, and she is a female entrepreneur uh, coach. And I really appreciate what she's all about because she talks about uh, authenticity. And she produces really the, the the video content it's hysterical um, but it's actually it's grounded in really like reasonable uh, smart uh, instructional advice um, and she talks about this concept of you know giving to the world that special something that only you can give right. Mm. 
And what I really like about it is this reflective practice. So every time she's producing content, she's saying like, you know what, sometimes things are going to be messy. Sometimes you're going to fail. Sometimes you're going to be uncomfortable. It's okay. It is okay to go through the whole messy process as long as you are authentic in doing it. Love it. And that's, that's, that's mine. That's mine. Love it. Love it, love it. Well, my friends, I, I can't tell you what a joy this has been um, uh, having this conversation with each one of you. It's been a real honor and a privilege for me. And I know that our audience is going to take a ton out of this conversation. So uh, high five to each one of you. And thank you so much again for being on the Startup Canada podcast. Thanks thank you. It was great. You. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. This is Aisha Addo, founder of Driver, and you're listening to the Startup Canada podcast with Rivers Corbet. What I want you to do is, is take us through that day uh, uh, or night or whatever it was that you said, enough, I got to fix this problem. Can you share that with us? Absolutely. So the, the interesting thing about um, that experience was that I didn't get the idea to actually start driver right then and there it was a reminder to me as a matter of fact but then the moment that I was like enough was when I heard so many women sharing the experiences of um, having uncomfortable situations having you know in some cases being harassed and the question that I always asked was around why why didn't you report it you know why this and then they always said no one will believe me and it had become so normal and so second nature for women to experience violence um, on a day-to-day basis but then also when they're traveling so that was the point that I was like enough it's time for us to have an alternative and it's time for us to really think about how women interact with um, transportation services and transportation as a whole. Perfect. So what happened? Uh, what happened next? So I, I love I love it. I love it. I love it because the pain point is so deep. And by the way, it, it's not only for women, but it's, I got to tell you, it's also for parents of young women. Also, I know my I have two young daughters and I always hated it when they would have to travel alone back to the house by a taxi. So I totally understand. And we would actually say to her, can you call and see if they've got a, a, a woman driver? So the pain point is deep, deep, deep. So you decided that I got to do something about it. So take us through that first six months of when you, uh, when you started drive her, by the way, I love the name. <laughs> drive her. Yeah. So, I mean, first, the first six months. So actually what ended up happening was, um, just speaking to different, um, you know, women and also do my work with power to girls, just speaking to the young girls and understanding sort of like what their experiences were. Um, I was online and I came across an article that talked about a service, um, dedicated to women that had started in India. And I was so fascinated. I'm like, Oh my God, this is so amazing. So I shared it on our power to girls page. And I'm like, this is so badass. So I shared it and, and 
I started thinking about it and I started thinking, wow, like this is really amazing. So I started looking into like if there were services like that in Toronto or any other parts of the world. And unfortunately, I didn't find a lot. So I went up to my friend. I'm like, hey, I have an idea. I'm going to start a service that is dedicated specifically for women. And he was so excited. He's like, yeah, sure. Go ahead and do it. And I'm like, no, I, nice. I don't think that's going to be possible. I'm like, is there even a demand for this? So I started speaking to women and just hearing these different stories. And, you know, I went up to women. I'm like, hey, I have this idea. If there was a service that was dedicated specifically for you, would you use it? Why? And the response was amazing. It was tremendous. Mm. It was just, it, it, was, it, was, it was sort of like, you know, one of the things, the words that I heard a lot was like, finally, obviously. Yes. Why yes. not? Um, and you mentioned something that was so profound is that like we also got requests from parents that are like, right. I want my daughter to use the service. I want my son to use the service. I, right. It really allowed us to really notice and recognize that the problem and the issue that we're trying to solve is not just something that is innate to women, but then also even trans women, you know, women that um, are going through transition, women that experience violence. 